Good evening and welcome to the special edition of India Decides. I'm Barkhadat. On the program today, first, the developments of a big breaking news story coming in from the other side of the border and the line of control, Pakistan, where Indian prisoner Sarabjit Singh has been brutally attacked in prison. Remember, Sarabjit Singh has now been in jail for 16 years. Pakistan, of course, charged him with complicity in a terror attack. But India has maintained all along that he is innocent and he should be sent back home. What is significant is that Sarabjit Singh has been attacked by fellow prisoners in the same jail, Court Lakhpat Jail in Lahore, in which previously Indian prisoner Jamil Singh died as well. Pakistan has issued a brief statement saying its foreign office is still ascertaining the facts. Uh, Chame, uh, Sarabjit Singh, meanwhile, has been shifted to hospital. He's in the ICU and uh, he is, according to our sources and our reporters there, in a critical condition. What is India's first reaction? How will India take this up with Pakistan? This disturbing news coming in tonight. The second prisoner from India to be attacked in the same jail in Lahore. Uh, Minister uh, of State for External Affairs Praneet Kaur joins me on the phone line now. Ma'am, your first thoughts, the details are still sketchy, but what we do know is that this is the same jail in Lahore where previously another Indian prisoner, Chamil Singh, died. Your first comments. Well, it is uh, deplorable that these attacks take place. Um, all we know at the moment, we also saw the reports that this has happened. So, uh, through our government, through the High Commission, has uh, sought counsellor access. And uh, as soon as we are waiting the response and as soon as we get more details, we will act. Ma'am, you said it is deplorable. Do you have any initial information through the High Commission as to why Sarabjit was targeted? His sister has said repeatedly that there were people out to get him, that his life was in fact in danger. Uh, no, there have been no reports and uh, we are getting the facts. Uh, as soon as we do, we will uh, let you know. The sister did come and see me. She voiced her concerns, which were appropriate, uh, which I spoke with the appropriate authorities about. And let me assure you that we will do everything we can to help them. Ma'am, at which level will India be taking this up with Pakistan? You said you have met uh, with uh, Dalbir Kaur Sarabjit uh, Singh's uh, sister. But at what level now will your government be taking this up with Pakistan? Because Pakistan is also in a state of flux. There's an interim government there. It's heading into elections. Who do you even register a protest with? Well, uh, there are the, the, the set procedures and the High Commission has contacted the necessary people and asked for counsellor access which we hope will be granted very soon. And what are your initial thoughts, given the coincidence or not, of the fact that this is the same prisoner, uh, same prison rather, in which Chamil Singh uh, was died. Their media reports suggested that he was tortured before he died. Pakistan authorities continue to maintain that he died on his way to hospital. In this case too, the warden of the jail has been suspended. Um, but this is the same jail where a previous uh, prisoner from India, Chamil Singh, has, uh, w uh, was killed according to some reports. You know, I don't want to comment on that because today we are looking at uh, uh, Sarabjit's case and we would like to do everything to help him 
So I think I wouldn't like to comment on anything else at the moment. All right, a last question on Sarabjee Singh, Ms. Ms. Prareet Kaur. Uh, India has been maintaining for a while that this is a case of mistaken identity, that Sarabjee should be sent back home. Nothing has really moved on his case despite several political assurances other than, than the fact that he has not been executed. Uh, that, that much relief he has got. Uh, is this still on the top of the agenda for the Indian government? Is this uh, one of the key points on in your talks with Pakistan? Uh, well, it is certainly uh, on the agenda and one of our key points. It's uh, something that we are... To, we Hello? Yes, ma'am, go ahead. Yes, it is something that we have repeatedly been taken up, taking up and we will continue to do so. And do you have any information on the condition of Sarabjit Singh because we know he's critical? Uh, no, I'm afraid uh, I have no information at the moment and it's only what we've heard from media reports. All right, uh, Minister of State for External Affairs, Preet Kaur, thank you for those comments. The government there describing that attack on Sarabjit Singh, Indian prisoner in a Pakistani jail now for many, many years, as deplorable, uh, saying uh, that this is something that will be taken up with Pakistan uh, at the highest level. And uh, we are getting distraught reactions from Sarabjit Singh's sister, Dalbir Kaur, uh, who has been fighting almost a lonesome battle to try and get her brother to come back home. Uh, Dalbir Kaur uh, is with us on the phone line now. Dalbir ji, now Pranit Kaur was talking about the program in the program. He said that the government will try to take the Pakistan authorities from the Pakistan authorities at the highest level. What do you know about your brother? I was just talking about this. The Pakistan reporter told me that Khalid Mahmood Khalid has been attacked in jail. And the hospital is going to take it. It's very serious. मुझे दो दिन तक यही पता चला मुझे वो भी पाकिस्तान के रिपोर्टर ने ही बताया और आपने पहले ये बात उठाई भी थी कि सरबजीत की जिंदगी खतरे में हो सकती है या हो सकती नहीं मैं बता के आई हूँ मैंने तो अपने ग्रहमंत्री शिंदे जी को बताया मैंने मारडी पंडित कोर जी को बताया मैंने अमिताभ कोनी जी को बताया मैंने सबको बताया कि सरबजीत के अंदर ये बातें बता रहा है मैंने एक दिन फोन किया था महाराणी पंडित कोर्जी को मैंने कहा था पेंजी अपना सरबजीत बचा लो नहीं तो हमें भी जहर दे दो हम भी मर जाना चाहते हैं जी के क्या करेंगे अगर पाकिस्तान सरकार जैसे कहते रहे कि उसे जेल में अपने सुरक्षा दी हुई है कड़े सुरक्षा की भी व्यवस्था यदि ये सब सच होता तो आज ये नहीं होता उसे बैरिक से निकालने का एक बहाना था ये साजिश के तहत उसे बैरिक से निकाला गया ताकि वाकई में उस पर हमला हो यदि वे बस होता तो सीधी बात उन पर आती उन्होंने बात को टालने के लिए ऐसा किया इस साजिश रची गई सरजीत के साथ सरजीत ने कहा कि वो हवालाती मुझे मुझे एक बात बताएं मैं समझ मैं समझ सकती हूं कि आप अभी बहुत घबराई हुई हैं बहुत गुस्से में हैं बहुत परेशान हैं लेकिन आपने कहा कि ये एक साजिश थी ये किसकी साजिश लगती है आपको ये साजिश जेल वालों की हो सकती है तो ये साजिश सभी के मिलजुल कर हो सकती है क्योंकि सरबजीत ने जो बताया सरबजीत ने जो हवालाती का नाम लिखा जो उसने उन सब कैदियों के नाम लिख के दिए जो मैं लिख के देके आई थी अपने गृह मंत्री जी को तो यदि ठोस कदम उठाया होता है 
तो ये नहीं होता ये जरूर साजिश थी हवालाती का कहना है कि तो हमारे अफजल को मार दिया और तुम यहाँ पर बैठे हो बताओ अफजल का सरबीर के साथ क्या लेना देना मेरे परिवार का क्या लेना देना मैं तो खुद उसकी रहमगी अपील डाली थी कि इसे माफ कर दो मैं तो शुरू से कहती हूँ दोनों देशों में इस सजा को खत्म कर दो अगर हम किसी को जिंदगी नहीं दे सकते तो चीनो भी नहीं हमें कोई अधिकार नहीं है मेरे हाथ पे कसूर भाई पर ऐसा किया मैं शुरू से कह रही थी यदि मेरा भाई मैं कसूर मारो मैं कभी आपसे माफी ना मांगू मैं तो ये भी कहती रही हूँ हाथ जोड़ जोड़ के झोली फैला फैला के मुझे खेरात में मेरे भाई की जिंदगी दे दो मैं तो अब भी कहती हूँ सर जी तेरा जी कुछ ही घर आ जा जल्दी घर आ जा तुम्हें सब इंतजार कर रहे हैं भगवान मुझे उठा ले मेरी उम्र तुम्हें दे दे तुम घर आ जाओ सर जी तेरे मैं आपका दुख समझ सकती हूँ समझ भी नहीं आती कि आपको किस तरह से कुछ उम्मीद दूं लेकिन अब इस समय आपकी सरकार से क्या उम्मीद रहेगी मैं उससे कहती हूँ कि मुझे जल्दी वीजा ले दो मैंने सुबह ही पाकिस्तान भेज दो उसकी बेटियों के साथ उसकी पत्नी के साथ मैं सुबह ही जाना चाहती हूँ मेरे मेरे भाई के पास भेज दो तो जल्दी <laughs> जी आप 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 ख्याल रखें हम भी लगातार इस इस इसको फॉलो करते रहेंगे कि सरबजीत की क्या कंडीशन है उम्मीद रखते हैं कि वो जल्द से जल्द बेहतर हो दलबीर कौर डिस्ट्रॉट देर डिस्ट्रॉट सिस्टर सेइंग प्लीज गिव मी अ वीजा लेट मी गो टू पाकिस्तान वॉज दिस टिट फॉर टैट किलिंग बाई सम फंडामेंटलिस्ट बिकॉज ऑफ द अफजल गुरु एग्जीक्यूशन वॉट डिड माई ब्रदर हैव टू डू विद अफजल गुरु सेइंग दैट शी हेज बीन वॉर्निंग इंडियन अथॉरिटीज दैट हर ब्रदर्स लाइफ वॉज इन डेंजर नाउ सीकिंग टू गो टू पाकिस्तान दलबीर कौर देर डिफिकल्ट टू लिसन टू हर यूसरा अस्करी इज ज्वाइनिंग अस फ्रॉम पाकिस्तान यूसरा अस्करी माई कॉलीग हु रिपोर्ट फॉर अस फ्रॉम पाकिस्तान यूसरा डेवस्टेटेड सिस्टर एंड आई रेट गवर्नमेंट रिमेंबर दिस इज द सेम जेल वेर अनदर इंडियन प्रिजनर चमेल सिंह died in uh, contentious circumstances sarabjit singh sister believes uh, that the afzal guru execution may have triggered a kind of uh, retaliatory uh, attack uh, by fundamentalists by fellow prisoners with the complicity of the jail authorities what are authorities in pakistan saying how are they explaining this uh, barkha i'd like to tell you here that uvesh sarabjit singh's counsel has in fact just confirmed to me that when he last met sarabjit singh sarabjit He was actually concerned for his life. He said that his life could be in danger, and he had also asked his lawyer to take note of it. His lawyer has confirmed to us that he is en route to the hospital. He has concern. He expressed his concern. He says the attack has been serious, and he does hope that Sarabjit's life is in fact saved. I would like to let our viewers know. Sarabjit Singh is under treatment at the ICU at Jinnah Hospital, Lahore. Security has been beefed up. Visitors and media are being prevented access, and a high-level um, inquiry has actually been put into place. We do also know that four jail officials, including the warden of Court Lakhpat Jail, have been suspended. Barkha. Thanks very much, Yusra. And this is going to raise a lot of questions in India. You have a sister who says that she had reason to believe that Sarabjit Singh's life was in danger. You have Sarabjit Singh's lawyer, who is a Pakistani, saying that he had raised the issue of Sarabjit Singh's life being in danger. And you have uh, the same jail where previously an, another Indian prisoner, Chamil Singh, was killed in, in or, or died in mysterious circumstances. We'll keep a close eye on this uh, account. At the same time, hoping that Sarabjit Singh uh, comes out of danger. Uh, and we'll return to this uh, to this 
to, to, to this as more details come in. We're moving on now to our other big uh, political story that has created all kinds of turbulence and embarrassment for the UPA here in Delhi. The CBI confirming to the Supreme Court that one of its reports on the coal scam, the coal allocation scam, was in fact seen not just by the law minister but also by an official in the prime minister's office as well as an official in the Ministry of Coal, raising all sorts of questions over the fate of the law minister and whether the prime minister's office is now squarely at the center of this controversy. The CBI chief's damning affidavit to the Supreme Court today. Yes, the CBI's report on the coal scam was shared with the law minister. Yes, Ashwini Kumar desired the meeting with the CBI chief and a PMO and coal ministry official. But Ranjit Sinha said that report shared with the political executive was a draft report. And the status report given on the 8th of March was vetted by the CBI chief. Sinha's affidavit set off a political storm for two specific reasons. One, ethically, why should the political executive, that is the law minister in this case, even want to see the investigation report in a scam where the top levels of his government are being investigated? Two, how can it be believed that these changes made to the draft by the law minister were not incorporated into the report submitted to the court? Notably, Sinha is silent on the charges. I will disclose everything before the Honorable Appeals Court. And uh, before uh, telling them, I don't want to share it with the general public. The opposition wants both reports released and are demanding not only the law minister's resignation but also the prime minister's as he was the coal minister when most of the controversial coal allocations were made. Prime minister must own the moral responsibility and resign and it only reinforces our demands which we are meeting in the parliament for him to resign and the law minister to be sacked. Government calling the CBI before it files an affidavit. That itself smacks off interference. But as the UPA huddled into a meeting for some damage control, the message was very clear. The government was going to brazen it out, at least till the bench heard out the case. The law minister is not resigning. The content of the report, uh, much of it is provided by the coal ministry. At some point of time, the prime minister was uh, holding the portfolio of coal. So some content is provided uh, from there. Then there is a legal aspect of it. The final report has not been seen by the political executive. The law minister Ashwini Kumar met the prime minister soon after the affidavit bombshell. He did not offer to resign according to sources, but instead told the prime minister to wait for the Supreme Court hearing on the case next week before taking the next step. Ashwini Kumar also assured the prime minister that there is no case against either the coal ministry or the law ministry. For the moment, the Congress's remaining major allies are backing it. If CBI report The coal scam has now taken on epic proportions. From creating a government versus CBI standoff, it has also raised issues about whether the Attorney General G. Vahanwati, who attended the meeting with the Law Minister and the CBI, should have revealed the meeting to the court or not. Vanwati, this is uh, Tejas from NDT. I wanted to ask you, the CBI has given its affidavit. Do you think there has been an impropriety by the government by asking for this report? No, no, I don't. While the government maintains that the law minister is not going anywhere, the opposition is only increasing its pressure. But all eyes will now be on the Supreme Court, where this matter now comes up next Tuesday, where even the petitioners in this case say that they will be putting forth many questions to the CBI. 
They say that the affidavit filed by the CBI director in effect hides more than it reveals. With bureau inputs, Siddharth Pandey for NDTV. All right, so almost everybody is in the hot seat, the law minister, of course, but now bureaucrats in the prime minister's office, bureaucrats in the coal ministry, as well as the government's senior-most law officers. Speaking to me earlier, the BGP, of course, sharpening its attack on the government, says the buck stops now with the PMO. That was Arun Jaitley in an earlier. The CBI director uses a very interesting phrase. He says that the, uh, that the status report, the initial status report into the coal scam was shared with the law minister as desired by him. He doesn't elaborate at which stage the joint secretary in the prime minister's office and at which stage the official in the coal ministry were actually shown uh, the first status report. Do you believe that the primary accountability remains that of the law minister or do you believe that this is now a crisis that has gone well beyond the law minister, especially with the naming of a PMO official and with the fact that the Prime Minister has held the portfolio of coal? It's certainly gone much beyond the law minister because what the CBI director has said, much that on the face of it, it may appear to be candid. I think it's a very careful affidavit which gives you a limited information. It gives some information and conceals the rest. Now, was the PMO officials present in the law minister's meeting? Or were the PMO officials separately shown this document? There is one uh, rumor floating around town that the PMO was separately handed over this uh, status report. And there were separate meetings in the PMO. Additionally, was there any communication between the PMO and the CBI on this uh, status report or not? Now, all these facts really must come out because these go to the root of the matter. Not only the uh, substance of the coal block allocation scam, but also gives us a lesson of how to improve the functioning of CBI, how to prevent this political interference in the CBI. Let me ask you, though, what do you see from the opposition point of view as happening next in Parliament? You have Kamal Nath going on record to say that Ashwini Kumar, the law minister, is not resigning. At least not till we know what the Supreme Court is actually going to say on the 30th, that's next week. You are saying this goes beyond him. The BJP is saying the Prime Minister must resign. How does this play out in Parliament? Well, I think Parliament has too many issues before it today. Parliament has this particular issue of uh, uh, the government stand uh, being completely smashed that the uh, uh, CBI is independent and this government doesn't interfere uh, in the CBI. The, gov the parliament has this issue of the uh, completely one-sided draft document that Mr. Chako has prepared, uh, uh, exonerating the present government and uh, implicating previous governments in the telecom issue. And there's a stalemate. The majority seems to be against Mr. Chako's uh, draft. So the parliament has too many issues before it. And the government really must decide whether it wants the environment of confrontation to continue, which may impinge on legislations, which may impinge on various other factors, or does it really want some kind of constructive uh, 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 engagement in this session of parliament? Now, the line of defense coming from the government is the following. They are saying that it is not unnatural for a, a law minister to meet with officials of the CBI. It is not unnatural that if, in fact, the CBI was looking at uh, uh, the, the process of coal allocation, that they met informally, uh, what the government is calling due consultation, uh, met informally with officials of the PMO. You've been law minister in the NDA government. Do you believe it is permissible for the law minister to meet with the CBI director on a particular case? 
Well, it is possible for the law minister to meet the CBI if the CBI seeks a legal advice from the law ministry. The legal advice must be on questions of law. The legal advice cannot alter the factual matrix of the CBI report. So factually, it is the discretion of the investigating agency or the investigating officer as to who is guilty and who is innocent. If the CBI wants any legal advice on that basis, they can go to the law minister. There are also precedents that in cases where functionaries of the government are involved, then the CBI doesn't come to the government. The government itself suggests that don't even consult my law officers, kindly have independent lawyers in these matters. It's happened in the past. Now, it is our information that at this meeting between the CBI director and the law minister, there was actually a pretty serious flare-up uh, between the two individuals, a personal flare-up, and therefore this is now the CBI director asserting himself in the independence of his agency. Do you believe this affidavit is an assertion of the CBI, a belated assertion of uh, independence, or do you believe that it's actually the CBI walking on eggshells, walking on thin ice, saying that its latest status report has not been vetted by the political executive, but its earlier one was? Well, my, I would rather go in for a more straightforward explanation, which is there were too many people in this meeting. So right from the drivers who drove them to the uh, ministerial staff who saw them in the corridors of Shastri Bhavan, to the private secretaries, to the security staff, they would, uh, to the logbooks, there'd be a huge amount of evidence available, including if your mobile phones rang in that meeting, so the towers would indicate as to where you were located at that time. And there are a lot of footprints you leave behind when you have a meeting of this kind. And when you leave your footprints behind, why should any police officer with some element of dignity make an inaccurate statement in order to save the political executive from an embarrassment? Therefore, the CBI or anyone else present in that meeting, including the law minister and the officials, would be well advised that the safest under the circumstances is to stick by the truth even if that causes some element of embarrassment to you. Well, more than some element of embarrassment for the UPA. Today, in conclusion, where and with whom does the buck stop after the CBI affidavit? Well, the buck stops uh, uh, at uh, a complete truth being coming out. And the complete truth is, to what extent was the status report altered? And if the Prime Minister's was, office was involved in it, I think... This should conclude the Lokpal debate as far as the question of autonomy and independence of the CBI is concerned. The government has been caught really with its pants down. Strong words there from Arun Jaitley and we can now confirm to you from our sources that the CBI has in fact submitted both the vetted status report and the non-vetted status report uh, in a sealed envelope to the Supreme Court today. So the Supreme Court is going to be going through both of those, uh, seeing whether there were any significant changes and perhaps then pronouncing its own observations and responses next week. And that could determine what happens to the law minister. Before we introduce our panel now on what the options are for the government, why is it still backing the law minister and whether the buck stops at the prime minister's office, we want to remind our viewers that this is in fact not the first time that the CBI has been used or rather misused in this manner. Remember, it's Mulayam Singh Yadav who always comes to the rescue of the government at the very last moment. The BJP has always alleged that this is because the government has used the CBI as a political tool. Interestingly, my colleague Rahul Srivastav joins us now. He's waded through the archives of an old petition that was submitted uh, in, the, in, the, in the court in 2008, which actually talks about how this particular case on Mulayam Singh Yadav was decided. Rahul, quickly take us through what you have. 
Barkat, that's what, uh, what, what I would like to say, that there has been a tradition of using the CBI. The BJP will like to forget the fact that the conspiracy charge against Mr. Adwani was dropped and CBI developed a minacea. It never went and appealed against it. But I have dug through the archives of the Mulayam Singh Yadav case and there are tons of documents which actually chronicle the entire series of flip-flops by the CBI. But the most glaring, Barkha, can well be that on the 1st of March 2007, the CBI... Uh, the Supreme Court, acting on a petition, asked the CBI to look into the details of the wealth and assets of Mr. Mulayam Singh Yadav. On the 26th of October 2007, the CBI furnished a huge, thick document in which it talked about all the wealth of Mr. Mulayam Singh Yadav and also talked about the fact that now it has prima facie, it is convinced there is a case. It wanted a court's permission to register a regular case and then it said that the status report it wants should not be shown to the government. Then comes uh, the entire series of events when the left with, uh, threatened to withdraw support in November 2007 on the nuclear deal. Then on the 22nd of uh, July uh, 2008, the left actually withdraws support, uh, withdraw support and after that the government does win the trust vote with the help of Mulayam Singh Yadav. Very important opinion given by the... Uh, by Mr. Wahanwati at that time that the government can withdraw the case and crucially, crucially on the 6th of December 2008, the CBI files an application in the Supreme Court. Sorry, dear court, we have made a, it seemed made a mistake. We want to withdraw the application submitted on the 26th of October 2007 because there have been certain representations by the respondents, that is the people who are being probed and that is why we want to withdraw the application. And what was the plea taken? One very important line in that, that in view of the legal advice and the directions of the Union of India. This is there as part of the court documents. This is what the CBI has said, that it actually in a case ordered by the Supreme Court, the CBI was acting at the behest of the Supreme Court, in that the Union of India has given a direction that the case please may be withdrawn. And once again, one if does not take notice of that, when the uh, relations between Mulayam Singh Yadav and Congress soured just before the 2009 elections and Mulayam refused to go for a seat-sharing pattern in 2009, March, another uh, affidavit comes that we actually want to go back to our 26 March 2007 affidavit, we actually want to go ahead against Mulayam Singh Yadav. Yeah. Perhaps that is the strongest element on paper in which before this case of Mr. Ashwini Kumar, looking at to, into some documents, the CBI on record in front of the courts has said that we have acted on the directions of the, of the government of India. Well, it certainly begs the question as to why this did not become as big a political controversy uh, back in the day, but it, it, it jogs our memory and reminds us that this is certainly not the first time it in fact exposes how open and exposed the CBI is to political influence and perhaps also underlines why Mulayam Singh Yadav may continue to yet bail out the government in that JPC on Monday. Rahul Srivastava, thanks for sharing those exclusive details with us. Now to our panel this evening. Does the buck stop with the Prime Minister's office when it comes to the botched attempt by the government to actually vet one of the status reports that the CBI was preparing in the cold scam. Let's introduce our panel this evening. With me here in the studio, Shantaram Nayak, Member of Parliament of the Congress and also Chairman of the Parliamentary Standing Committee on Personal Public Grievances, Law and Justice. Also joining us tonight, Senior Leader of the BJP, Prakash Javrekar, somebody who has done a lot of digging and spade work in actually exposing the coal allocation scam. Joining us tonight from Chennai, R.K. Raghavan, former CBI Director. Uh, this is a very uh, precarious 
time for the CBI and we'll be very interested in knowing his perspective. Joining us tonight as well, Senior Advocate of the Supreme Court, Dushyant Dave, and we're hoping to have Pinaki Mishra of the Biju Janta Dal joining us um, shortly as well. Prakash Javrekar, if I can get your first uh, responses. Uh, we now know that the CBI has submitted two different status reports, the vetted and the non-vetted. The one that was not seen by the political executive as Ranjit Sinha, the director, has signed on today and the one that was in fact seen by the law minister, the PMO official and the coal ministry official. Would the next step politically and legally depend on whether there are substantive differences between these two uh, status reports because that still remains in the realm of speculation. Mr. Javrekar. Yeah, but whether it is, yeah. Whether it is the difference is whether it is substantial or not. The very act of the government, not only law minister, but the PMO joint uh, secretary and the joint secretary of the coal ministry, as they desired, they got the CBI report. This is itself is a very uh, cruel commentary on the uh, things and state of affairs of today. This vindicates our stand that CBI is being used, misused and abused always by the Congress and what has happened is uh, their principal ally <coughs> therefore is CBI and that is what is happening and particularly in the coal case yes. this becomes more serious because during 2006 and 9 uh, coal minister was the prime minister. And the major allocations and the scam has happened during that period. Yes. He has signed on every allocation as a coal minister. And it was not the government which ordered CBI probe. When government refused to order CBI probe, we went, we approached to CBC, myself and Ansra Jahir, yes. and then we came up, uh, the CBC gave the order for CBI inquiry. So CBI has inquired. We are not very happy with all the inquiry because we are following it up very closely. The issue is after that is done and the report was asked by the Supreme Court and when the law, senior two law officers saying yeah. that it is not shown to the minister or any political executive and this comes up, this is absolutely uh, shattering experience and yes. people will lose faith. In fact, it raises questions not just over the law minister, but also officials, the PMO officials in the coal ministry. And as you mentioned, Prakash yes. Javrekar, the senior law officers of this government. Shantaram Nayak, why is the government still backing <coughs> Ashwini Kumar? Why is there such a categorical statement from the parliamentary affairs minister? There will be no resignation. Many people believe that Ashwini Kumar is actually being protected because eventually he is the buffer between the attack and the prime minister's office. Now the PMO official is also drawn into the center of this controversy. What happens in PMO's office, I am not a privy to that. Yes. But I can say that CBI is not been guided by an independent statute. There is no statute which regulates Central Bureau of University. In other words, you are saying the CBI is not independent. I am not saying that. Then? But C CBI acts under Section 173 of CRPC, just like any other police officer in charge. Therefore? In practice, in practice, Every government tries to give more and more independence to the CBI in their day-to-day -day functioning. And roughly it is going, it is improving. I'm so you are actually being honest and saying that actually there is political uh, connection uh, uh, with the CBI and every government. <laughs> I, I won't say that. But I am saying <coughs> that in practice every government is trying to have, to give CBI central Why, why is the, what, what would you do if you were the law minister? In what fact, would you do? 
In fact, same thing in the sense I will give maximum practical independence to such an agency. And otherwise, I have got a personal view also. Which is? I have always been saying in parliament that there must be an independent statute governing powers of CBI and all other related aspects. Now, you are raising this at a, at a point of principle, but there are points of specifics involved. <coughs> what happens next? Who resigns? Does anyone resign? Will the court censure or will the court uh, take a mild view? Dushan Dave, come in here. Uh, there are two different sets of issues here. There are two, uh, two status reports in the cold scam. Ranjit Sinha has signed on to the affidavit today saying the latest one has not been shared with anyone <coughs> in the political executive. Is it now critical? Is it now critical what the differences are in these two status reports? The one that was shared and the one that hasn't been shared? I think that's beside the point. The real issue is something very serious. This is the grossest, grossest case of obstruction of justice. And all those who are responsible, which includes the law minister, the attorney general, the additional solicitor general, the director of CBI himself, the prime minister's joint secretary and the joint secretary from coal ministry, each one of them, to my mind, is guilty as hell of uh, you know, uh, interference with the administration of justice. And I think they have to be proceeded against. You have to understand this matter in a different context. You see, the petition is filed in the Supreme Court sometime in August of 2012. Prayer B of that petition says that the Supreme Court must order an independent investigation by CBI, which should report only to the uh, uh, Supreme Court and nobody else. On 24th of January, Supreme Court already has issued notice in September. Yes. On 24th of January, when the matter comes up, the additional solicitor general appearing for CBI takes a stand that it is not willing to share with the Supreme Court its investigation report. The Supreme Court takes a very serious view and a very dim view of this statement on behalf of the CBI. And Supreme Court says you will have to give this information to us, you will have to share it with us. On that day, the order is passed by the Supreme Court which says that the, uh, the investigation reports will be, will be shown and, uh, uh, to the Supreme Court, which meant that it would be shown only to the Supreme Court as I look at it. Supreme Court on that day also observed, which every newspaper has carried this story, and I was personally sitting in the courtroom that day for some other matter, yeah. that we want to see that the probe is in the right direction, and it's an independent investigation. Yeah. Now, in this backdrop, the meeting of the 5th of March, which is attended by these so-called luminaries, is really the darkest hour in judicial history. And it really is a shame that on 8th of March, when the matter comes up, neither the Attorney General nor the additional Solicitor General had the courage or the decency to inform the Supreme Court that this is what has happened. According to me, Mr. Sina should never have gone to the law minister. He had a duty to the Supreme Court. He should have stayed away from that meeting. Okay, he had hold to that have thought. courage. Hold and that I think, hold that and I, I, think yeah. I think he has really done a great disservice to himself and to the institution of CBI, which is expected to be independent. So I, I personally feel that all of them are responsible collectively. So you are saying that the law officers come out badly, the PMO officials come out badly, the law minister comes out badly, but the CBI director, according to you, should have refused to meet the law minister. R.K. Raghavan, I want you Absolutely, to Absolutely, and there is one, no, there is yeah. one more thing. Quickly, Barka, before quickly, I, you quickly. go to somebody else. Yeah, you see, you see the PMO is an accused in this case. You have to understand the entire, entire, you know, direction of the complaint. Shantaram Nair said the PMO is not an accused. How, how do you use the word accused? No, 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 then he doesn't know, then he doesn't know the facts. No, you 194 allocations have been made by the PMO. 
the petition alleges that PMO so is involved PMO in the petition. So the PMO is an interested party, prime an interested minister, party, not an accused, but an yes, interested yes, prime party. Yeah. Prime Minister, Prime Minister, Barkha, Prime Minister is a party in the writ petition, although no notice has gone to him. But entire allegation is against the distribution of these largest by PMO. And therefore, PMO, according to me, is prima facie accused. And okay. therefore, they should never have approached. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Lots of things in there. R.K. Raghavan, we were talking about this just two days ago. You and I, on the same subject, on what this suggests about the role of the CBI director. And you said you would withhold your judgment till you saw what the CBI director would say in court. You also said to me at that time when we were breaking the story of PMO officials also being involved in these talks that this is speculative. We will wait to see the proof. Now you have the director's version. Do you think like Dushan Dave that the director could have refused to show any status report uh, uh, to the law minister or do you believe that through this affidavit the CBI is for the first time actually asserting its independence from the political establishment? And, uh, thank you, Bakam. I, I, I want an assurance that you will give me a couple of minutes to explain myself. Go ahead. Otherwise, I am liable to be misquoted. No, go ahead. I hope you will give me two minutes. Go ahead. Uh, you are normally not all that liberal, <laughs> so you must give me that time. Go ahead. First of all, I would like to refer to the greatest hypocrisy uh, in this country, uh, which believes that the CBI is an independent organization. It is just not an independent organization. So the whole episode will have to be viewed against the backdrop of this hard reality of the, of the, at, on the ground level that the CBI is not independent. Yes, um, the, C, the director has filed an affidavit and um, um, he, he has absolutely no reason to withhold any facts from the court. If he does that, then the Supreme Court will definitely come down heavily on him. The fact that there was a meeting uh, at the law minister's office, nobody disputes it. Whether um, the CBA director could have stayed away from this meeting um, is again um, subject to dispute. It requires a very brave uh, director to say, I will not come. And, and, and I think it's improper on his part to have refused to go to the minister because the minister is a constitutional authority. He has every right to summon. But the point I would like to know whether the minister mentioned to the CB director before he came for the meeting, the subject of discussion will be this case. If he had made it clear that he was going to discuss this case yes. and nothing alone, then the CBI director erred in going to the uh, minister. If that was not the case, uh, these visits to uh, uh, the minister... The visit to the minister on that morning was very appropriate. Second thing, to show him the copy of the affidavit, yes. the draft affidavit to the minister was again an act of impropriety. But the question is, could he have withheld the draft? Again, I would like to, sorry for repeating myself, it requires a very brave chief uh, CBA director to say that he would not show. Yes. So basically, impropriety is on the part of the minister to demanded to see this uh, uh, to this affidavit and the fact that some law officers are present uh, uh, adds to the gravity of the situation any of those law officers could have intervened and told the minister that he had no business to demand to see this particular affidavit so the third question is whether the minister made some changes if he had made some changes even in, in terms of language it was improper we would like to see both the drafts the draft corrected by him and the ultimate uh, draft which yes. uh, was given to the Supreme Court of, as the yes. final version of the, uh, of the, of the CBI okay. as the status report. Okay. If the minister had made some changes, however cosmetic it may have been, 
It was an act of impropriety and it is wrong to assail the CBA director to say that he had alone had committed an act of impropriety. Now, Doctor, and again, the changes, yeah. how material these changes were, yes. Yeah, you've made a number of very important so points. This is and my I, position. I'm not saying... Yeah. One of the important questions you are raising is that we do not know with when, when the law minister called the CBI director, we do not know what reason was given to the CBI director to come for this meeting. And Dushant, I want to take that back to you, but we've also got Pinaki Mishra on the panel now. Now, Pinaki, you are uh, both a lawyer, a senior lawyer and a politician. You have, uh, uh, to that extent, worn two hats even when it comes to the cold story. But I want to ask you today, Dushant Dave says that this is the darkest uh, hour in our judicial history. R.K. Raghavan making a more nuanced argument here saying, hang on, we don't know the full facts. We don't know whether changes were made. We don't know what reason was given to the CBI director to come or not. What's your take? I'm going to go with the more nuanced approach. Let me just tell you, Barkha, I joined the bar in 1983 and I've been uh, doing CBI cases or rather fighting the CBI in a sense since 1983 and watching the CBI very closely. And I have to uh, say that this is a very brave act of this officer. Uh, the manner in which he has come forward and uh, you know, made a clean uh, disclosure in the Supreme Court, although he could have gone a little further, I think, but now that you say that you know, he's actually given both the vetted and the, and the non-vetted report, he's really disclosed everything to the Supreme Court. And this is a very brave act of a good officer. Uh, of course, the, the law minister's position, I said so four days back, is untenable. And I think the government is ill-advised uh, to now look to the Supreme Court. Mr. Shantaram Nayak is there on your panel and uh, he's my chairman. I'm on that same committee. Today I saw the new, you know, I read reports where the committee has shown uh, some anxiety about how the Supreme Court and the various high courts are uh, probably trenching upon the powers of the executive and the legislature. But, you know, this is bound to happen. Now, if today the Parliamentary Affairs Minister says we will wait to see how badly the Supreme Court censures us, only then will we decide whether the law minister goes or not. Uh, this is, you know, completely, you're really, now what you're doing is you're leaving the entire field open to the judiciary to decide what is a prime minister's prerogative, the political, uh, uh, you know, uh, authority of the, of the ruling party is undermined as a result. The uh, moral compass is completely diluted of the ruling party, it completely goes astray. This is what happens when you leave the, everything to the judiciary and, and this is what the government has been doing over the past decade or more. Yeah. They just leave it to the courts and now what they're hoping is that the Supreme Court will not censure them too harshly and the law minister might escape. But is this the way politics is run? Shantaram I think the Congress Nayak, Party, Shantaram I'm sorry Nayak to say this, has really brought yeah, things to Pinaki a very really low pass today. Pinaki is saying this is not a legal matter. This is a, a matter of political morality. This is a matter of propriety and impropriety. And therefore, you as the chairman of that same panel... Partly a legal matter also. Why is it a legal and matter? See, question is, we, we say that under Section 173, yeah. nobody can interfere in the investigation process. Yeah. Now, we see day in, day out, judges of various courts, apex courts, they ask, did you arrest this man? Why did you not take statement of this man? How is that he is out? How is that he is moving? This is a part of investigation and how any judicial official question... But that's what Pinaki is saying, that now you are letting the Supreme Court decide whether uh, you should keep a minister no, or not. I am saying, is this not interference? <laughs> that's that's what, what I am asking. But he is agreeing and, with you. He is agreeing with you. No. 
he's agreeing with you but he's saying that for that reason you can't let yes. the supreme court decide the fate of ashwini kumar right pinaki that's what you're saying right absolutely barkha i completely agree with the, you know all the members you know repeatedly in parliament we've been saying this when the when the judicial accountability bill came in all of us said over oh, the courts are going too far and so on so forth but today you know when it suits your convenience then you say oh, but let's see let's see how harsh the supreme court okay, is going I to be to, let's want, see how want, uh, you know censorious the supreme court is going to be oh, once again i want to take this back then you, then you you know then you live by the sword you perish by it you Prakash, then leave it to the supreme court to decide your government you know okay, what who your ministers are okay, going to be Prakash who your cabinet is going to be prakash javrekar rk raghavan raises a very important point that we do not know in what context the law minister sought a meeting with the cbi director did he call him up and say i want to discuss the cold report or did he say just come by and meet me Now, the nda has also had law ministers are you saying your law ministers never met with the cbi director to discuss a case jetley is admitted it is not about the meeting the affidavit clearly says that the report was shared the draft report was shared with the law minister with the pmo joint secretary and the coal joint secretary on their behest not on his own yes so that is the issue and what is more interesting is to what level we have brought politics to kamal nath not only says that whether the supreme court now whether it is giving harsh comment or soft comment but he also says that what changes ashwini kumar made was grammatical is he a grammar professor and is the cbi's english so bad so this is absolutely laughable yeah Uh, let me get and that is why we are raised yeah yeah let me just get quick last words now from rk raghavan and dushan dave rk raghavan to you first uh, you heard uh, two very differing perspectives from pinaki and dushan the pinaki mishra saying the cbi director showed enormous courage with this affidavit because he's virtually taking on the government dushan dave saying that the cbi director committed a impropriety before he took on the government your take sir what would you have done you have been honest enough to say yeah. it's easy yeah. to say the director should do this shouldn't do this but it's not so practical absolutely absolutely let, let us we are we are living in an imperfect world and an imperfect uh, real world a cba director could uh, could not have refused to show the draft to the minister uh, but having said that the minister approached in that high position he should have been careful not to tinker with the draft that's all i'm saying uh, but but the, the point is the director um, Uh, the present director ranjit sena uh, is a very good officer he is the remind you not many um, viewers will know he is the senior most officer in the ips in the entire country yeah. so he has got he got this job not out of any mercy or any favoritism he got it on the in his own right on the strength of his seniority and earlier performance yeah. so i personally feel i'm slightly slightly digressing this is a very positive thing that ever to happen to the cbi here afterwards every cba director can assert himself and tell the government to keep off from investigations monitored by the supreme court this yeah, is a good thing right. which has come out of it so i still feel that uh, that uh, ranjit sena is only partly culpable but then the greater culpability rests with the minister Dushan Dave come in there because you said that everybody comes out back right. the law officers the government the law minister the prime minister's office you have Pinaki actually saying that the director has shown courage he has shown courage with this affidavit first let me tell something to my you know distinguished friends from parliament here that uh, they are talking about the judges accountability bill 
but I really wish somebody would bring the executive accountability bill. The reason why Supreme Court and High Courts have to step in is because yes. of the dismal failures of the executive consistently in doing something which constitution, which, which constitution obliges them. No, no, don't say that. There is enough power, you don't know what the power is. The really? Supreme Court decides really? that power. I mean, parliamentarians don't decide what Supreme Court's powers Supreme are. Supreme Court does not have power to legislate. But, of course it has and it's because of the failure. You don't understand separation of power. If you function, Supreme Court will not intervene. Okay, let's come back if to point. Because you fail, no, the Supreme Court steps Come back to point. Anyway, let me come back. Yeah. On, eight, on 8th of March, the Supreme Court passed an order and, and this is what is little relevant. It says that let the affidavit be filed by the director of CBI that the status report submitted before this court dated March 8, 2013 was vetted by him and nothing contained therein has been shared with the political executive. Yeah. Now this was on 8th of March. Why did Supreme Court pass this order? Because Supreme Court was apprehensive repeatedly during the previous hearings that the status reports which are likely to be prepared and submitted would be tampered with by the executive. Yeah. It is because of that Supreme Court on 24th January passed an order and said that you shall report to us. On 5th of March the meeting takes place. The distinguished attorney general does not tell the court that I have already done what you have told us not to do yeah. on 8th of March. He is present in the court. The additional solicitor general appearing for CBI also hides this fact. Let me tell you one thing. Solic uh, attorney generals like Mr. Motilal Setilwad or Daftari would have refused to even go and meet the law minister. Far from, you know, uh, vetting this report, because whatever has happened is that the Attorney General and the Additional Solicitor General, along with the Law Minister, seems to have really vetted the so-called draft. Yeah, the fact is that they have all they have all misconducted themselves with greatest impropriety. They have done great disservice to the Supreme Court, and according to me, these acts are nothing but acts of contempt. Okay, I have to I have I, I, I have to end a quick last thirty seconds comments from you. Uh, yes, Shadaran. I yeah. would like to know whether this is a draft report. The CBI, report, the CBI, I, I will clarify. I will answer that. The the CBI affidavit does not use the word draft. The CBI affidavit simply says on one particular date it submitted a status report, and on another particular date it submitted another status report. So one was vetted, the other was not. We do not know. We the people do not know what the difference That's is. That's why in I want to know whether it's a draft report, interim report. Why does that change the morality? Or an affidavit? Why does that change? Prakash Javdekar, does that change anything? Does that change anything? See, and how many reports does that change anything? Because in both, one minute, in both the 2G case, the PMO's culpability through Pulak Chatterjee's vetting of what three-stage formula of Raja, and in coal scam, this all buck stops at the PM store. Yeah. And Pinaki, let me, let me end with asking you the same question. Who's accountable? The Attorney General, the, uh, the ASG, the Law Minister, the PMO Joint Secretary, the Coal Ministry Joint Secretary or the Prime Minister? Or the CBI look, Director? Barkha, the, you know, I, I do agree with Dushan that... Yeah. Look, I, I, I agree with Dushan on one aspect, that the law officers, uh, you know, haven't covered themselves in glory. Yeah. They should have come clean with the Supreme Court. It's the simplest thing to say, look, your lordships are saying this today, but, uh, you know, we've had a meeting and it was a perfectly innocent meeting and, you know, what transpired doesn't really impinge upon the uh, integrity of the investigation. Yeah. They could have said that. Uh, the fact that they haven't said that and, and the fact that the media has come out with this, 
you know, and then the, everybody has been forced to, you know, this this is so much like Watergate, you know, this really is, it smells of Watergate. Line, there was a great line, there was a great line in Watergate, Pinaki, Pinaki, there was a great line in Watergate that the cover-up is worse than the crime. That's right. That's the point. And I thought the cover-up in court was so shabby because they should have told the court. If everything was innocent, they should have told the court that, look, yes, we've already had a meeting, but we will not have any further meetings. So serious the questions. Question, the, there's yeah. no doubt. You know, I said so on your channel today. Look, Barka, I said on your channel today, the law minister has been either very stupid or very arrogant or very stupidly arrogant. You know, okay. I have to say this because to, uh, to, to demand this meeting like this, uh, you know, and the, for the CBI director now to say that as desired by the law minister, he is really so cooked we, his goose. We'll there is no doubt. And for the prime, for today, for the government to try and defend this law minister, they are really, you know, asking for trouble, and they are bringing this trouble, fire. a very unwelcome spotlight, onto the prime minister's doorstep. Yeah, we'll I don't know why they are doing this. They are completely ill-advised. The prime ill minister is guilty as well. I was, in, I was told in Central Hall today, by the way, that the story being given out is that the you know the prime minister is being told that if the law minister goes, next is your turn. But I mean, really, somebody is making uh, you know. Yeah. We leave it there. We leave it there. We leave it there. Questions actually now of perjury could arise because you have law officers who have actually told an untruth in court, and 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 as the lawyers on this panel have pointed out, that could be contempt of court. Shantaram Nayak, Prakash Javrekar, Pinaki Mishra, Dushan Dave, R K Raghavan. Pleasure to have you on the program. We're taking a quick break. We're returning to a very important story. Indian prisoner Sarabjit Singh has been attacked. In a Pakistani jail, he's in critical condition in ICU. His sister and his lawyers say they had warned both the Indian and Pakistan governments that his life is in danger. An update on that on the other side. Welcome back. You're watching India Decides. I'm Barkhadat. We're taking you back to our top story this evening. Indian prisoner Sarabjit Singh charged with complicity in a terror attack in Pakistan. India maintaining his innocence and his uh, involvement in the case of mistaken identity now finds his life in danger. He was attacked in uh, Kot Lakpat Jail. That's the same prison where previously another Indian prisoner, Chamel Singh, had died in mysterious circumstances. In fact, media reports suggested that Chamel Singh had been killed in jail. Now, in that same jail in Lahore, Sarabjit Singh being attacked by fellow prisoners, his assaulters, at least two of them have been identified. A disciplinary reaction has been taken against the warden of the jail. But Minister of State for External Affairs, Praneet Kaur, talking to us earlier, said uh, that, that she basically found the assault deplorable. Uh, that's, those are the words uh, that she used. We are now bringing you some bad news. We believe uh, that Sarabjit Singh is in critical condition and on a ventilator. And uh, earlier we spoke to a distraught sister Dalbir Kaur, who says that she had warned both India and Pakistan's authorities that this would happen. She now wants a visa to go to Pakistan immediately. Dalbir ji, abhi Praneet Kaur humare saath program mein baat kar rahi thi. Unhone kaha ki sarkar ki puri koshish hai ki wo Pakistan authorities se is maamle ko uthayengi at the highest level. Aapko apni bhai ke baare mein abhi kya information hai? Mujhe to baas yehi pata chala tha. Pakistan ke reporter ne badaya tha Khalid Mehmood Khalid ne. कि सर्वजीत के ऊपर जेल में हमला हो गया और उसे हॉस्पिटल लेके जा रहे हैं वे बहुत सीरियस है मुझे तो अभी तक यही पता चला मुझे वो भी पाकिस्तान के रिपोर्टर ने ही बताया और आपने पहले ये बात उठाई भी थी कि सर्वजीत की जिंदगी खतरे में हो सकती है या हो सकती नहीं मैं बता के आई हूँ मैंने तो अपने गृह मंत्री शिंदे जी को बताया मैंने महाराणी परनीत कौर जी को बताया मैंने अमका सोनी जी को बताया मैंने सलमान कोटी जी को बताया 
मैंने सबको बताया कि सरजीत का अंदर ये बातें बता रहा है मैंने एक दिन फोन किया था महारानी पंडित कौर जी को मैंने कहा था बहन जी अपना सरजीत बचा लो नहीं तो हमें भी जहर दे दो हम भी मर जाना चाहते हैं जी के क्या करेंगे अगर सर पाकिस्तान सरकार जैसे कहते रहे कि उसे जेल में अपने सुरक्षा दी हुई है कड़े सुरक्षा की व्यवस्था यदि ये सब सच होता तो आज ये नहीं होता उसे बैरिक से निकालने का एक बहाना था ये साजिश के तहत उसे बैरिक से निकाला गया ताकि वाकई में उस पर हमला हो यदि वे बस्त होता तो सीधी बात उन पर आती उन्होंने बात को टालने के लिए ऐसा किया इस साजिश रची गई सरजीत के साथ सरजीत ने कहा कि वो हवाला आ, मुझे मुझे एक बात बताए मैं समझ मैं समझ सकती हूं कि आप अभी बहुत घबराई हुई हैं बहुत गुस्से में हैं बहुत परेशान हैं लेकिन आपने कहा कि ये एक साजिश थी ये किसकी साजिश लगती है आपको ये साजिश जेल वालों की हो सकती है तो ये साजिश सभी की मिलजुल कर हो सकती है क्योंकि सरजीत ने जो बताया सरजीत ने जो हवालाती का नाम लिखा जो उसने उन सब कैदियों के नाम लिख के दिए जो मैं लिख के देके आई थी अपने गृह मंत्री जी को तो यदि ठोस कदम उठाया होता है तो ये नहीं होता ये जरूर साजिश थी हवालाती का कहना है कि तो हमारे अफजल को मार दिया और तुम यहाँ पर बैठे हो बताओ अफजल का सरजीत के साथ क्या लेना देना मेरे परिवार का क्या लेना देना मैं तो खुद उसकी अपील डाली थी कि इसे माफ कर दो मैं तो शुरू से कहती हूँ दोनों देशों में इस सजा को खत्म कर दो अगर हम किसी को जिंदगी नहीं दे सकते तो चीनों भी नहीं हमें कोई अधिकार नहीं है आ, मेरे हाथ पे कसूर भाई पर ऐसा किया मैं शुरू से कह रही थी यदि मेरा भाई मैं कसूर मारो मैं कभी आपसे माफी ना मांगू मैं तो ये भी कहती रही हूँ हाथ जोड़ जोड़ के झोली फैला फैला के मुझे खेरात में मेरे भाई की जिंदगी दे दो मैं तो अब भी कहती हूँ सरजीत राजी खुशी घर आ जा जल्दी घर आ जा तुझे सब इंतजार कर रहे हैं भगवान मुझे उठा ले मेरी उम्र तुम्हें दे रहे तुम घर आ जाओ सरजीत मैं आपका दुख समझ सकती हूँ समझ भी नहीं आती कि आपको किस तरह से कुछ उम्मीद दूं लेकिन अब इस समय आपकी सरकार से क्या उम्मीद रहेगी मैं उससे कहती हूँ तो मुझे जल्दी वीजा ले दो मैंने सुबह ही पाकिस्तान भेज दो उसकी बेटियों के साथ उसकी पत्नी के साथ मैं सुबह ही जाना चाहती हूँ मेरे मेरे भाई के पास भेज दो जल्दी <laughs> An absolutely devastated sister there who believes that after the Abdul Guru execution, her brother was the target. The news coming from Pakistan is not good. Pakistan media is now saying the Sarabjit was attacked uh, using bricks and a knife. He has sustained head injuries and is presently in a coma. Reports suggesting that he is in a ventilator in the ICU. The Ministry of External Affairs calling the attack deplorable. We leave it there, keeping a close eye on that story. Thanks for watching. Good night.